Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you know, it's still a couple of weeks past uh, TED Fest, and I get to meet all of these people in person, and I got to meet our guest here uh, when we were in Dumbo in New York City, and I'd like you to welcome to the show Keith Deming from TEDx Port of Spain, which is in Trinidad. Keith, how are you, bud? I'm good. I'm good. What Happy to be here. Give, give, really? me your, give me your one sentence on TED Fest. TED Fest was great. Um, I think everybody as a TED organizer, you need that jump start with the mm. community and remember you're not the only crazy person doing these <laughs> things and sees that there's a lot of value to these TEDx events. And yeah. <laughs> we spend a lot of time right. doing and and I think I think the pers- people who decide to do it and keep doing it, there's, they, they're either crazy or they see something that they see the potential in something that a lot of people don't see. So I think, for me, we can get into this later, but I think TEDx events in the developing world where my TEDx is, is fundamentally different than TEDx events in developed sort of context. How is that? Because the, st- the stakes are higher. The stakes oh. are a lot higher. Um. Well, okay. Well, hold it. I want to understand that because when I when I try to explain to someone what it's like to walk onto the red circle, I say this is high stakes communications. You got one shot, and so I think of any you walk onto the red circle anywhere on the planet, it's high stakes. How is it higher stakes for you? Because, so for example, I my first TEDx event was at at the University of British Columbia. I helped. I was part of like a peripheral team that organized, it was called Terry Talks. And it was one of the first ever TEDx events. And we were like, TED is coming to our university. We were all so happy. It's going to be great, a TEDx event. Yeah. And the minute I went to that event, actually, I didn't even go to the event, but the minute I saw its potential, I said, you know what? You know, I'm from an island. Mm. So that means if you want to make change in an island, it's easier than in North America. So, if you live in Canada, Australia, England, whatever, just by f- sheer size, right? it's easier to make change on an island. I just got to find the 10 most important people and convince right. them that this idea is worth going after. That's way harder to do in bigger contexts. And I thought the TEDx event was a great platform to do that. Mm. It's bipartisan. Mm. It's about the idea. Right, right. And you're challenging people to... Give the best talk that you can give. Mm. It's the last talk you'll ever give, or huh, it's a right, high right, stakes, right, right. yeah, yeah, high stakes con- communication. Yeah. yeah, so you're daring people to go, sort of, that next gen thing. Yeah, go where they've never gone before yeah. with an idea. Take that idea to the limit. Yeah, 
The reason it's different is that in a lot of TEDx events, you can talk about space travel, you can talk about technology, etc. If you look at TEDx events in a lot of developing contexts, they're talking about basic human rights stuff. Uh, they're talking about things that if you believe mm, in Maslow's hierarchy, yeah, they're yeah, talking about sure. the bottom of the hierarchy. In there's an assumption I find in some of developed countries where those things are sorted out. We're still dealing with a lot of that kind of thing. Right. And then I was I don't know if I should say this publicly, but for Go example, ahead, no one's listening. <laughs> on <the> <laughs> um so for example, we've had people bribe us massive amounts of money no to kidding. be on our stage. Like massive amounts of money. And we've had to say no. We've had yeah, we just we and because you end up in a context where there's corruption mm. and somebody's talking about wow. massive ideas that can change a country, yeah. You end up with the stakes are higher. You end up with people threatening you, people saying how can oh I'll give you an gosh. example. I'll give you oh an example. Oh my gosh. I'll give you an example. We had an event at one venue one year. And we had a speaker, Afra Raymond, who talked about corruption and the venue happened to be at the central bank and he referenced that a lot of corruption happened through central bank etc and then we were essentially told that we were lucky because we we knew who we knew if it was up to them they wouldn't have had the event there because we were quote unquote ill speaking them oh what we were saying is factual. The talk sure. was factual. That talk ended up on TED.com no because kidding. it was so good. But in that scenario, when you have one, one place that can have your TEDx event that has all the audio and all the stuff, right? you're done in a, like, that event says, hey, we don't want you all here. You all have been speaking the truth about us and so we don't want our wow. Wow. business in the air. Yeah, yeah. It's a different it's a different ballgame. You think about yeah, do you think about TEDx's around the world? Is it different, different ballgame? So yeah. What was your first taste of TED? Was it at UBC? You like how I got introduced to TED? You yeah, mean? yeah. So I was an undergraduate at the University of British Columbia and um they have a fantastic program. Yeah they do. Where if you if there's a course that you want to take that's not offered at a university and your grades are high enough, you can teach that course. You have to really? get a professor. Yeah, you have to get a professor to supervise you. Okay. And I wanted to teach. I wanted to learn about positive psychology at the time. And this is positive psychology had just come out. Martin Seligman had just wrote his book. He'd just given a TED talk on that, et cetera. And this is before TED. TED this is just when TED went online. So that's 06. Yeah, around... Yeah, it would have been around or seven okay. or seven or eight. And this professor said to me, YouTube had just come out. YouTube is a new thing right, as well. Right, right, That's right, right. <laughs> right, right. Sure. And all all I was on YouTube was cats. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> and this professor said, Have you heard of TED.com? Because if mm. you're gonna be teaching this course on positive psychology, you gotta watch Martin Martin Seligman talk on positive psych on ted.com in those days ted.com had like maybe 10,000 viewers yeah views 15,000 views and i went and watched martin salakman's talk and what happened to watch the next one you watch the next one right next the next one and i was like three days later 
Hold on, hold up. I can procrastinate and learn stuff. Amazing. Right. <laughs> so that changed. That was my first. That was thing. it, huh? That was into Ted. And then after that, I was thinking, you know what? I have finally found a way to procrastinate and I can learn some cool, cool stuff. Mm. And that, was, that was my first intro to Ted. And then soon after that, the university brought Terry Talks, which was a TEDx event, to the university. And I had a couple of friends speak. And I just saw, I just thought, man, that platform has the potential to change countries. So, so I'm trying to crawl into your mind here and I'm thinking here you're an Islander, you've got uh, strong roots back to Trinidad and you're an activist and you're like, oh, I'm not I, an activist. you're not an activist. No, I'm not an activist. Okay. So you're not an activist, but you're a, let's say you're a concerned citizen. Is that fair to right. say? That's fine. That's you're a right. concerned citizen. Okay. Yeah. So you're like, I want to bring this back home. Yeah, hundred percent. Because tell me, I, tell me the, what 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 predicated that? I think of my country as the ex girlfriend who had potential but never lived up to it. That's okay. how I see my country. Okay, loads and loads of potential. But her just is not living up to it, and you're thinking, "Yo, this is all you got to do. It's super simple. Stop messing it up." Right, and they keep messing it up, messing it up, messing it up, and you're like, "Oh my goodness, can you just get one thing right?" And that's how that was my relationship, and I I deliberately don't call myself an activist okay. for a couple of reasons. Okay, um, well, the major reason is that I think the first way people dehumanize you is to other you. Okay. So if okay. you look at yep. Yep. if you look at um, genocide studies, etc., they they talk about harvesting. What they are they clearing the crop crop? What they're talking about is murder. Right. Once you say, Hey, you're an activist, you've just othered that person. I've so never heard easy. other used as a verb. Uh, yeah, well I <laughs> You othered them. That's I mean just interesting. That keep keep yeah, going. You've othered the person, and like now you can say for it. You can read in a headline that says, "We let go tear gas on activists," and that is somewhat more palatable than we let go tear gas on citizens. Mm. Two very different mm. feelings and emotions you get mm. from that. Because one, a citizen. Wait a minute, I'm a citizen. They let go tear gas on citizens. Wait, they let go tear gas and activists. Yeah, that's kind of what's expected. Activists are used to that kind of thing. Right. There's two different things. So I'm I'm not an activist. I just I'm You're a, citizen a citizen who wants full participation. That's what I tell people. I, I don't call me an activist. When so back to you deciding to take TEDx back home. Yeah. So it's a it's a bit of a complicated story as most of these things are. I had just finished my master's at University of Manchester, I'd left UBC, which is in Vancouver. Yep. And did my master's in in organizational change in Manchester. I oh. came back home and I thought, you know what? I'm looking for a job. What can I do that will give that what can I do that will give me a great project to do while I'm job hunting, having just finished my master's. Okay. And I was like, wait a minute, you've been wanting to do this TEDx thing for a long time. Mm. Just do that. Mm. And I applied for your license, talked to my mom. My mom's like, what is this TEDx thing? I don't get it. <laughs> my dad is kind of like, how is this going to make you money? Do you get a job. 
And my dad is like, this is I a love terrible our dads, idea. right? He's like, this is a terrible idea. Start a business or like get a job. Don't take on all this. And if I had done a risk analysis, or risk assessment, <laughs> there's no way right, of you could have not. concluded yes to TEDx event. Of course not. But we did it. And I partnered with an ad agency, which was a young, nimble, amazingly creative ad agency. Now, was the agency in Trinidad or in yeah, Canada? Yeah, in, Trinidad. In, in Trinidad. Trinidad. Okay, got it. So I always kept my – because you have Facebook and all my friends. And so, for example, one of my friends who lived in Vancouver was now working in that agency. So I called him and I was like, yo, Kafra. Right. You think your agency be into this? And we just got – it was like a lot of serendipity happening. We got a lot of people who were really fed up at the time, wanting to do something different. Didn't really see themselves as activists, saw themselves as wanting to make Trinidad a much better place. Most of them, not all, most of them had had some kind of experience abroad and was and was now living in Trinidad and trying to say, yo, how do we make this place the most desirable place to be in the Southern Hemisphere? And we're not quite in the Southern Hemisphere. So how do we make this country one of the most desirable places to be? And we, we just set out to do that. We set out to say, hey, how can we use ideas as our platforms? And some people use placards. We use ideas. And I and I and we support those people. We we act, actually we often put them on our stage and say, Hey, let's hear what you have to say. What's your message behind that plat placard? So and then we, we would take people who are in business, take people who are in education, people who are in tech. Like we had a guy Actually, there's a really great story. When we went to Doha, I met a guy called Arvinda. And Arvinda was organizing TEDx University of, I can't remember which, which university. It was a university in England, Nottingham University. Mm. And then I meet him and I'm like, yo, you're Trini. He's like, yeah, I'm doing my master's there. I wanted to do TEDx events. So we're organizing TEDx Nottingham. I said, are you going back to Trinidad when you're done? He said, yeah. So when you come back to Trinidad, there's a spot on my team waiting for you. Oh, great. He comes back to Trinidad. He joins the team. He's a superstar. He manages all our social media. Nice. Then he decides he's going to start this company where he's figured out a way to get people living in the Caribbean to get discounts on Amazon. So he's done this cool algorithm and he's helping people do that. So he's done this startup. So he's like, I'm doing my startup. I don't have time to volunteer anymore. Okay, cool. And in this, he gets really caught up in Bitcoin and all of this. And he basically becomes a Caribbean expert on Bitcoin. Huh. In, the, in the two years, he's not with us. And we're mulling over our team like, who can we talk? Who, who can we get to talk sure. about what? Why does Bitcoin matter to us in the Caribbean? And then we were like, oh, hold it. Arvinda. Right. And then we, then we thought, wait a minute, but he's on our team. Can we have somebody who's on our team? Is that a conflict of interest? And we're oh. like, wait a minute. We said, wait, hold on, let's go through the facts. What are we looking for? And he turned out to be one of the best people to talk on the topic. Wow. It just happened to be that he was on our team. And he did a great talk, talked about Bitcoin. It's a great talk. His name is Arvind Narampasad. You can talk about it. You can check it out. He's It was a fantastic event. And I love those stories. I, I You know, that that's back to that serendipity, right? That is these things, there's something happened where the stars align just perfectly for us and we, we do them. Now, 
tell me, you live in Toronto now, and did you, were you living in Trinidad when you were doing those, or were you living in both cities and kind of going back and forth? How did that work? <laughs> so what happened initially was I got the license. I was living in Trinidad, just finished my master's. And I hadn't found it. I'd gotten a consulting job, and I went to visit a friend who lived in Waterloo. And while I was in Waterloo, I was—I just had to write up a report for this consulting job. So I was like, I'll just write that in what Waterloo, Canada. Yeah. And now I never even knew where Waterloo was. It's just—I <laughs> just went to visit a friend there. So I took six weeks to write up the reports, and I could send that remotely. Cool. While I was in Waterloo, I just started to do informational interviews and said, hey, anybody doing some cool stuff? And I knocked on the door of a place called Social Innovation Generation. The short version of that story is that they offer me a job at the end of that, huh. which is a dream job. I'm working nice. with somebody who, in my master's, I studied. I, I was reading her papers and all this, and I was like, oh, my God, it's an amazing job. So I go back to Trinidad and tell my team, and I'm like, hey, I just got offered this amazing job. How are we going to do TEDx? And they were like, we'll figure it out. So from day one, we have been organizing TEDx where I was living between, at the time, Waterloo and Trinidad. And I had contracts in Trinidad and in Waterloo, Canada. I was working there full time. I worked there for about a year. And... After that, I'd kept getting contracts in Trinidad, so which meant that I had to fly back to Trinidad frequently to do these contracts. So right. it was this amazing thing. I'd also gotten into do my PhD. So I left that job because I started my PhD. So I'm doing a PhD, which means I have flexible, right. flexible schedule. I'm doing consulting in Trinidad. I'm organizing TEDx events, and I'm like, this is the perfect storm. And from day one, our team has been managing using online tools like for example if you don't know this basecamp is free for every single tedx organizer oh. that is amazing so we use basecamp and we have a remote team that meets online even people in trinidad are on skype talking to each other and we're managing everything to-do list tasks etc it does help that my mother is my co-organizer <laughs> That does help. Yes. Um, so it is a tight-knit kind of scenario where she, everybody in the team is kind of saying, hey, you're going after an idea we're doing right now. Let's make social innovation happen in the world. Everybody in the team was all about ideas worth spreading, ideas worth doing. And that's always the itch with every single TEDx organizer. You bet. How do you move from ideas worth spreading to ideas worth doing? That is the quintessential itch that each of us will rub up against at some point, some faster than others. And some did get into TEDx because of it. What is it, uh, what is it, do you, what skill do you think you bring to the table that you would say is your superpower that helps you manage all of these things? You know, I, I like, I look at organizing, collaborating, producing, marketing, curating, partnering, there's something there that you've got that allows you to have done it. I mean, you've done them since 2011. I don't think it's any of those there. Huh? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay at all of those things. Yeah. But what I'm really good, I think, at is finding passion and delegating to that passion. 
So I always said, you can come into the team. People would say, how do you volunteer for, the, for TEDx Port of Spain? Are you passionate about TED? Yep. If the answer to that is yes, come on the team and we'll find something for you to do okay. that you like doing. So I would, you have to be passionate about TEDx and the concept of TEDx first. Yep. You come on the team and you hang out, you chill, and then we'll find something to do that matches your skill and your passion. And that's how we manage to do it. I'll give you a story about one of our, one of our first volunteers. It was year one. We just finished TEDx Port of Spain 11-11-11. I think you had That's, one. 11-11 we did 11 the same thing. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So 11-11-11. I love that. I, actually, there's another funny story about that too. I'll tell you about it after. There were a lot of things that happened on 11-11-11. In fact, it, quick, very quickly, we got an email a year later that there was a documentary being made called 11-11-11, and could they use a shot from our TEDx to drop into that as one of all the hundreds and hundreds of things that happened on that day? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so, we so had you one, just finished we had, that. We had 11-11-11, and we had 12-12-12. But yeah. anyway... So, wait, where was I? Sorry, you're talking about the volunteer after eleven eleven. Yeah. So no, she. So first day of TEDx event, it's eight o'clock. We're still preparing for people to come in. That and this morning. Girl, that morning, this girl walks to me. It's a hundred person event. This is our first event. Right. She's like, I heard about TEDx. I don't have a ticket. I heard the tickets were sold out. I have to be at this event. <laughs> and I said, Well. Okay, let's see if everybody shows up. Sure. I'm sure somebody's not going to show up and we give you a ticket. And she's like, what can I do while I wait? And we're like, what? She's like, I'm going to be useful. I'm not going to just stand here and wait. You need help. You are doing an event. Wow. And she starts helping. Wow. And I just look at this girl and I'm thinking, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then we kind of – I talked to the, to the team and stuff and we're like, yo, just let her in. Right. Because – all this stuff, she actually really was really helpful. And then everything else we needed done, it would have taken too much onboarding at that last minute for her to be useful. So we said, hey, go into the event. Have a, have a blast today. We were, I didn't even see one talk that year. Like, not even one. I don't even know what the stage looked like that year. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was crazy. And she is a volunteer to this day. To this day. She, to this day, she's a oh, volunteer with us. Oh, my gosh. And What's her a, name? What's a, her name? Denisa. Denisa. Denisa is her name. Big shout out to Denisa. We love you, Denisa. We want yeah, more volunteers is. like you. Yeah, and and I I do think you see that hiring for passion thing. Yeah, and that matching the passion. So yeah. Right now, she's done a lot of different roles on the team. Right now, she's on the speaker curation team Curry, and right. coaching team. Mm. But she's evolved into that position, mm. and mm. it's really interesting to see after seven years of doing TEDx event, how she's evolved and she's grown and she's contributed. And I've also, I've also kept, tried to always keep a very flat organization. So what I find very hard is people always look to me for the decision I'm saying. And I would always say, hey, the crowd is smarter than any one of us. Right. So what do we think? Right. You know? What's been the and biggest then, biggest surprise over all these years? Biggest surprise to me is that in Trinidad, you have a lot of marketing people, 
corporate communications folks and we go into a room looking for sponsorship and they have never heard of TED. And I'm still blown away by that because yeah. I'm thinking, look, you haven't had one person share, hey, look, this talk you might find interesting. You haven't watched over all these years, one, right? One it's twenty seventeen and you haven't watched right. one TED it's on Netflix for God's sake. <laughs> it's on Virgin Airlines. I mean it's everywhere, right? It's it's TED Radio. Our it's I just right. I just right. don't understand. How Fifty people, million people have listened to TED Radio Hour. I I just don't understand how people are walking through the world and have never and people who are supposedly supposedly very intelligent at the top of the game, head of major corporations, leading departments, and you've never heard of TED. I I and that's why I'm saying it's a different ball game in a developing country. You very, know what? I I've heard that exact same thing from other organizers though. Yeah, it's a oh in uh, in the US. Uh yeah, um I don't remember exactly they the, the conversations tend to blend a little bit, but I yeah, have heard that yeah. exact exact same thing the surprise is oh my gosh, you haven't heard of how could you not have heard of Ted? But here in Santa Barbara, you know, I'll talk to people and they say what do you do? And I do a lot of different things, but the thing I like to say is I produce TEDx Santa Barbara. Oh, what's that? Have you ever watched a TED Talk? No, what's TED? I'm like, and I just look around and I go, hold it. I'm in you a, see, I'm in a major I'm off, city. You see, that wouldn't surprise me. Like that wouldn't surprise me in the street. It surprises me in the corporate boardroom. Oh, got it, got it. That's where I'm surprised. Mm, where mm. You, you haven't gone to one workshop, one workshop where somebody's referenced or used a TED video, right? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, right, I right, can't right. understand whatever you're an expert in. The go-to space for that for that knowledge is is TED now. It right. used to be the encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> you know I got to write Chris and tell him that it used to be encyclopedia. Now it's TED. It, it, but think about it. Like you name name any thought leader who name a thought leader and they've, they've likely done a TED something. Right. Likely. Well, look at look at what what Simon Sinek. You know, doing, yeah, Sinek, you know, yeah. TEDx Puget Sound, a little tiny TED. And, you know, it's the third most watched TED Talk. And everybody understands, you know, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. I mean, it's the yeah. core yeah. idea of all time. Um, yeah. Let me ask a different question now. Um, and I got a sense of what your challenges are, the island nation and, and all of the things we talked about earlier. Um, under every big pile of gold, there's always a dragon in the stories I like to read. And, you know, it's, it looks great, but there's a dragon underneath all of it that you've kind of, you know, is there all the time and you may or may not slay them. What's, what's the dragon for your TEDx? So, so give me a little bit more about what you mean by a dragon. Cause to a me, a challenge, a dragon, it, it's, you okay, know, it's, they're it's magical, they're magical dragons and then they're ferocious, deadly dragons. <laughs> this is a ferocious, <laughs> deadly dragon. It's, it's the one it's, you know, uh, storytellers will tell you, you do not have a story unless you have conflict in the story. So where's the conflict in the TEDx Port of Spain story? I think the conflict is in what's made TEDx. We've have, we have a lot of conflicts. I think our dragon, that's a different question. I think our dragon is, are we pushing a ball uphill that is not going to be supported when we leave? Is that ball... Are we ever going to be a, have enough resources to get this ball to the top? Because 
each year we get a little bit more traction, a little bit more traction, a little bit yeah. more credibility. But will this TEDx event influence ministries, ministers, people in decision-making powers to think about ideas differently? That's the dragon, I think. <clears throat> Conflict-wise, there are a lot of people on our team who have tension and have very different perspectives on how we should move forward. And I actually think, and I spent, I, in the early days, at least year three, year four, we spent a lot of time managing that tension. I'll give you an example. We picked a theme one year, and half the team didn't like it, half the team loved it. We had to have like a little conflict resolution thing and chose, mm -hmm. end up choosing a new theme that year. Oh, People were like, Keita, the team almost, you almost like lost your team. People, people were ready to fight about it. It was intense. Really? It was intense. We never got to fighting, but I always said like, look, there's a great book called Team of Rivals, and it's about yep. Abraham, Abraham yep. Lincoln who yep. talked about who hired people who had conflicting views yep. on him. I'm a big fan. Yeah, so I feel that our dragon has been in managing tensions and conflict. So our team would be made up of the equivalent of Democrats and Republicans in North America. Yeah. Politically, we have people from all the parties in our country on the team <coughs> working towards making our island a better place. And I think that tension is the magical dragon. It is very difficult to tame. But it's the secret sauce, I think, that has been like when we came up with, we've come up with TEDx in a maxi, which is that TED, we, in turn, now we have, instead of subways, we have buses that get people to right. and from places. They're called yeah. maxi taxis and they have okay. a band. Okay. A lot of developing countries have these. We hired a maxi for one day and we told people, hey, we'll pay for your transport to work today. All you have to do is agree to sign this form to be on a, on the video, and we will show you some TEDx talks. So we showed TEDx talks oh. in the maxi. Oh wow! In the I maxi, love that. and yeah, and people love this. There's a great. There's a video do you have a photo of that you can send me? I have a photo and a video. Send me, sure. please yeah. send me. I want to put. I love that. Yeah. So we did that, and it that came out of a team that didn't. We're not all best friends. We've created an environment where everybody's a, everybody's okay with saying what they have to say. We're okay with disagreeing and then coming up with decisions. There's 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 a philosophy we have in the team. Like, let's say we have ten options. Let's vote for the top four, but we're not gonna we're never gonna choose the one that got liked the best. We're gonna develop some criteria. So these are the top four. What's the criteria for choosing those? The one that we go with eventually, because because everybody likes it, it doesn't mean it's the best decision. Let's come up with something that we like and also meet some very strict criteria we've come up with. So we've done that kind of thing in the team that I think has made holding that tension very difficult managing, but I think it's also brought quite a bit of magic to the stage. So even the speakers we choose are from very different perspectives. Like if it was just me, I'd be biased in a particular way. Sure. If it was just one other person, I'd be biased in a particular way. But because we work hard to have 
a team of rivals, essentially. I think that's a secret sauce. And I figured out what your superpower is. <laughs> What's my superpower? <laughs> well, you have a master's in organizational change and understanding social innovation and understanding how people work together and, and human psychology. And you started off with positive psychology I, that that just emanates from you. And as the leader, uh, whether you know, as much as you want to say an egalitarian, yeah, we're all leaders. It's really flat and all that. Your vibe is managing organizations you've studied that hell you're a doctor in that so as far as i'm concerned that gives you a superpower that is you know how how do you manage change how do you manage conflict how do you manage dynamic tension and you figured it out so i think that uh that i'm going to endow you now with that uh superpower and and in my country that means you're my godfather now eh? i'm i'll take it I love it. I'll take it. I, I'm a grandfather and I'm a godfather. Uh, oh my gosh! Some one of my listeners do not send me a poster of me and a godfather. Okay, please, I don't want that. Tell me, um, tell me about your next event. Uh, I think you said off air that um, you're transitioning to a new uh, leader. And you've had to be thinking about succession planning. So I want to kind of future think for for this year, what you're looking forward to, and maybe just kind of talk about the future a little bit. So we, I've been slowly taking less and less of a role in the organizing of the event. And part of that is because I think it needs a different kind of leadership with where it's heading now. And I think we have some sponsorship that allows us to be sustainable. We're, We're sure we're not going to be owing money at the end of it. The first year, two years, we barely broke even. Right. We're kind of at a place where we have a budget. We can start to play with ideas. We can start to play with things. And what I've done is kept the philosophy of higher for passion. We have a project management person who's been with the team for a couple of years, four or five years, I think. And she went and lived in France a bit in between, but she came back onto the team. Hmm. She's a professional project management person. That's what she does for a living. And she was at TEDFest. Oh, great. Yeah, so she and I have been working together closely ever since she came on the team. And she's always been very good at the detail Hmm. and the organizing. I'm better at the big picture. Right. I could do detail when I have to. Yeah. Um. Her natural place is detail. My natural place is big idea. So we work really well together. Um, She is sort of taking the mantle of making the ship move forward, taking the ship going forward. And she's doing a phenomenal job and bringing a different kind of energy, different ideas, daring us to go to places that I probably wouldn't have gone Mm. Um, some of the ideas she's coming up with, I just find just great. And what's good is that she will throw an idea and I will yes and it. Or well, you're an, are you an improver? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I study innovation. We do innovation. So Okay, got it. I One of my pet peeves is no but. So I, I have a podcast, Disruptive Conversations, and a lot of people I interview talk about they don't like that 
yes, uh, yes, but question. Oh they yeah, don't yeah, like, no, yeah. They they hate that yes, but or people who say that's okay, but and that just kills the innovation fight. I I'm so, going to uh, improv class right after this podcast. So I go every have week. Fun. I love it. Yeah. It's so much fun. And you're you're exactly right. So she's so I, she you yes and her new ideas. And she yes ands my ideas and we mm. build off of each other. And exactly. It's great. So we, exactly. We have a weekly meeting, we check in. If she needs me to do something, I do it. I'm coaching a speaker. But in terms of the nuts, there's things that I do not know that's happening, but they're happening. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> 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 it's like magic <laughs> but yeah. I know the work that it takes to do that it, so but it's letting go isn't it that's the hard part that's that's the really hard part the really hard but that's not it's it's I think I think we are lucky compared to other events because we've been forced to manage at a distance for such a long time I've always looked to people and said hey I just need you to do this very finite task mm-hmm that's what I need you to do. This is the role you play in making TEDx Sports win happen. Can you do that every year? Just this, just one thing. People are like, yeah, cool. And I've broken it up now. So I have 15 people who are doing one thing, and I'm saying, do that one thing exceptionally well, please. And all of a sudden, you have a very complicated event that's organized. And it's just because you've said to some people, hey, Every year, I'm going to call on you to do this thing. Yeah, this is the one thing that, and yeah. people love doing it. People, and the thing we say to people is that I can't pay you, so I do work. And a good friend of mine, Jason, who I'm meeting after this for drinks, he taught me a, a lesson that I'll never forget. I gotta give Jason credit for this. He said, "Never do work unless it meets two criteria of three criteria." Do it for the creative, do it for the relationship, do it for the money. If it doesn't meet two of those criteria, do not do that job. And I tell all of the people who work with TEDx, this is do not agree to do this unless the task that I've asked you to do meets two of those criteria. And I ask people, I say, does it meet two of those criteria? And they're like, yeah, I can't pay you. So it has to meet creative right. and do you value this relationship. Right. So often I'm saying to people, hey, do this task. These are your these are your parameters. Yeah. But you have full creativity on how it's executed. Yeah. All and of that, a sudden again that's trust. Yeah, and I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you on that. And they know that. And I and it's I do think it's how do you make this the sum greater than the parts? Mm. Mm. If I gave you a very specific thing, let's say experience design. There's a girl who's been doing our experience design forever. I could say, hey, this is the experience design we want you to execute, etc. That is way boring for her to execute. If yeah, she comes yeah, up with yeah, the idea, yeah. if she invests in it and yeah. she does it, A, it's going to be way better than anything I'm going to come up with. Yeah. B, she has a very vested interest in making sure it happens and happens well. I, I have to say that these conversations have completely changed how I'm running my own show. I mean, were, were I doing this podcast as a kind of an interested, but out of the ecosystem person, I'm just an interviewer, I'm a journalist and I'm doing it. That's one vibe. But because I produce TEDx Santa Barbara, 
I feel like I'm getting to talk to all these masters of the universe who are doing their own thing. And I've learned so, so much. And I've only, eh, this is show number 29, that it's com- fundamentally changed how I think about uh, the organization, how I build the team. And, and you've just kind of reiterated a lot of those points for me. And it's got me, has got me thinking, I used to be very hands-on in everything. And this year I'm, it's, nope, I'm going to have a, uh, I'm going to have a, what we called it, uh, equals a team of rivals, uh, though we yeah. all get along pretty well, but, but say, you know, if I just shut up and let them give the ideas to your point of what you just said with the experienced designer, it's going to be way, way better. So my, my job is to lead, make sure we've got enough fuel in the tank, uh, make sure that the mission and vision is, we're all clear on that. I want to, I want to ask you, I've been thinking before about, you move on, am I allowed yeah. to, before you move on, am I allowed to ask you a question? Ooh, wow. That's the first <laughs> one. See, you're a, you're a podcaster. I'm putting you in the hot seat. Yeah. Of course you can ask me a question. What do you got? What's what's the two top things you've learned so far on the podcast? Uh, and other TEDx yeah, yeah, yeah. That so uh, the first one is to have uh, have an org chart, uh, job descriptions, uh, a really solid team. Have a core team. Uh, let them go out and hire their own team members, and to th- and it, so that's that's number one. Number two is that we really are. We should, we could or should, I'm not sure what the right word is, but can think of this TEDx as an, a startup. And all the things you do as a startup, uh, you have to go out and you have to promote, you've got to raise money, you've got to build alliances, you've got to figure out what your product is, you have to, all, all, you've got to market. I mean, it, it literally, every single aspect of a startup applies to a TEDx. And I, and I let that sink in because I've been an entrepreneur, you know, my whole life. And it dawned on me, and I'm actually writing about that this month, are we an organization, are we an event that needs an organization, or are we an organization that produces an event? I think to be sustainable, we need to be an organization that produces an event. And then we have longevity, and then we think our, it's if we're event-centric, then the day after, it's like, hey, done, we're good, we're done. Well, yeah, no, we're not. If we're an organization, we want sustainability. I'm building a brand. So those are the two things I've learned. So so that's, that's amazing because um, we – so what has happened for us is that when we started doing our TEDx events, we noticed that we have a big contingency who are what I call – diaspora and fishbowl sort of audience, which is that they're people who are from Trinidad and Tobago, live abroad, but have a very vested interest in what's happening in Trinidad. Hmm. They have no idea how they can contribute and help, but they love what TEDx is going to do and the potential of it. Massive audience abroad. We have embarked on, because of that insight, let's do a foundation, a diaspora foundation, where we target those people who live in the diaspora who can donate 20 US a month. And then all of a sudden, we have a fun pool for ideas worth doing. That's something we're working on. And that drives the team because it's a 
vision that's greater than anything all of us would live to see. So if we're able right. to make that happen, right. we have longevity. just created a massive foundation yeah. for our grandchildren. And that is something meaningful, purposeful, tangible that people could just call on to and they're like, okay, mm. we got that insight because we went out and experimented with TEDx. We now had to have the foresight to be able to make that vision happen. And that's another point I want to say is that when my dad, when I did my first TEDx event, my dad was like, how is this making money? It's not a good idea, etc." The day after the TEDx event, he said, that is the best training ground you're going to get mm. for running your own company. Mm. Make all the mistakes with one with a nonprofit. You got to go out there and pitch a nonprofit. It's harder to pitch than a sales thing because yeah, if you're adding value to somebody, that's e- easier to sell. So he's like, Make all the mistakes on this, on TEDx thing. When you're ready to start your company, you now have skills that, especially soft skills, that most people don't have. Because schools teach you the hard skills. They don't teach you the soft skills. And if you want to manage a team of very strongly opinioned people who want to change the world, et cetera, and you can do that successfully, you can manage a team of hard-hitting businessmen. That's, that's an insight I've not heard before, but you're, you're so right. And when we think about what is the pitch to the volunteer who says, what am I going to get out of it? That, that experience that they're going to get out of it, that they weren't expected. It's almost like that's one of the biggest surprises is the, you know, that on the job training, that postdoc training that you got from running a TEDx. It's, it's, it's valuable. It's, it's, if you want to, do a startup for real in the future. Do it somewhere where the risks is low. You 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 think that the TEDx event is the risk is high. For some people, they might lose money on a TEDx event, so that sense the risk is high. But you're not starting a company. If you're not doing an event that you're trying to feed your family off of. Right. You're trying to do an event that is about ideas worth spreading. If yep. you fail, you might lose ten thousand dollars. You might lose something. But the learning in that, it's kind of like. Have you ever seen the movie A Bronx Tale? Yes. There's a scene in it where there's a guy who owes owes the kid twenty dollars, and he because he kept he he loaned him back and he kept chasing him down for twenty bucks. He's like, look, you just paid that guy twenty dollars to get out of your life. So the lesson with that is that if you give him twenty bucks and then he gives you back, he's going to keep coming back to you. If you give him the twenty bucks, because he knows he owes you, he's never coming back. Something like that. Whereas in the less the lesson with life is you've sort of paid down on your experiential journey that mm-hmm. you don't have to go back and get and make those mistakes. There are lessons that I've learned mm-hmm. organizing TEDx event for seven years that are helping me in my consulting practice. Perfect segue to my second to last question, which is the show's called Hacking the Red Circle. So I think that we have to learn how to hack, you know, how do how do we make an a, an amazing event for, you know, no money can't pay our volunteers, all of the constraints that we have, which n- none of us complain about, it might keep us up at night, but there's a hack. What, what, now, I think I know what it is because you said it earlier without saying it, but what do you think it is? I thought about this question a bit like before the, the podcast, and I was thinking, we've done so many hacks. I think every year you're doing a hack. Sure. Um, but I was trying to think about, okay, what's a hack that's useful to listeners? And it is 
it is more of a concept than a hack, which is pick the three things you must get right and focus on those things and understand what is a nice to have and what is a must have. The distinction between those two things are fundamentally important. So in year number one, we didn't have experiential design. We didn't have all kinds of other things that we do around the event. But we said, okay, we have to make sure the speakers nail their talks. Yeah. We have to start in time because we're on a Caribbean island. And we have to make sure that the video is well done. If we do those three things, we're good. Everything else, if people don't get their food, sorry. It was year one, we learned from that. But pick the three things that you're going to measure your success on. Yep. And then forget everything else. And the next year, you add one. The next year, you add one. The next year, you add one. One of the mistakes people do is they watch, let's say something like TEDx Mid-Atlantic, and they try to do that. If I could give advice to anybody doing a TEDx event, start small and pick your three things that are vitally important to you. And I think that's the essence of finding a hack, is like defining your constraints. And that's where the hack is. But you get all kinds of hacks in all kinds of different no, I, ways. I, I, so, eventually, yeah. one, one of the one of the things I like, you're a podcaster, so you'll get this. Um, my other show is an unformatted, more improv-like show. So I, and I, I have a general idea of the person, what they've done, but I don't know what the journey is going to look like 45 minutes later. Um, and I was advised in doing this show to have a format so that I could go back into the back catalog and pull all the hacks together, pull all the surprises together, like, you know, get some learnings out of that. Right. So it was, had a little bit of format to it. And, uh, that, that's been very, very helpful, uh, in doing that. And I, I love that you've kind of built up all these hacks and I'm just thinking in my mind all the the 29 I've got now and to start to categorize them the one I was going to say I thought you were going to do was when you said hire for passion I mean that's the t-shirt I mean you, we kept talking about that uh, uh. so much but I like your other one I like I like this so now um my my last question for you uh, but just but okay. just to build on what but okay. just to build okay. on what you said is yeah. that I say structure is king eh? Because structure, structure gives is you king. freedom. Oh. It gives you freedom in a way that you may not understand. So I, when I was doing my undergrad, didn't have a lot of money. I started dancing salsa because it was $10 a night. You drank water. You danced with a different girl every four minutes. And you got exercise. It was amazing. <laughs> so I learned how to dance salsa really well. I did it like <laughs> twice a week kind of thing. And then I started teaching salsa. And the thing I learned about salsa is that I started doing something called on two, which is very structured formats, kind of dancing. You learn six moves, very structured. You do 12 moves, very structured. You learn 24, you learn 48, and then all of a sudden it explodes. It becomes this like exponential thing where you're dancing and you do a move that you never learned. You're mm, improvising on, mm, this, mm, on, on this mm. spot. In salsa, all they're doing is dancing on six steps. It's a very structured space. But that structure gives you space to freestyle in a way that is amazing, amazing, amazing. And I, that is a tension that people are always going to run up against. And if they do structure well, you would be surprised how much room you get to play with in the end. You'd be surprised. Like, struct, that's why I say structure is king. 
there's so many examples of that. You just gave me a new one I'd not heard. I think of uh, my martial arts where we learn 136 moves and then we've got to do katas and forms and all of that. And once you get your black belt, he says, forget all of that. And now just you, and it's funny how you're right. You just start making it up. Same thing with jazz, right? You have to learn the fundamentals, right? Right. Learn the skills. And it's exactly like that. So now I've got a red carpet, a magical red carpet, and I can fly you to any TEDx in the world. Where are you going? TEDx Ramallah. Ramallah. Wow. And that means, that means flying back in time. Because they only did it once. They did it once. It was in three different locations in Palestine and places because people can't cross borders and stuff. They satellite. They used satellite because the internet wasn't stable. And they streamed talks from each event to each venue. Mm. That is the most... I wish I could have been there Mm. for that event because that is... Ram, Ramsey, the guy who did that. Yes. I met him in Doha. I was he was my roommate. And when he told me what he did, I was like, dude, you're like that good kind of crazy man. I love you. <laughs> He's actually Yeah, he he is amazing and he, he I ran into him recently and he now lives in Toronto. But that guy what he did there in a country that is that's I'm I, I'm going to call it apartheid, and I really don't care if people think otherwise. But a country that is so restricted in travel and sure. human rights violations, sure. etc., and using the TEDx platform in a way that I think is goes to what TED is. Because if you go to a TED event, it's a deep exploration in humanity. Yeah, it's it a is. deep exploration in what it means to be human, the core of what humanity is about and touches on the good, the bad, the ugly, the sexy, the banal. It talk, touches on all of those things. And if you want to talk about a TEDx event that was trying to change the world, TEDx Romala. I would have taken my magic carpet and go back in time and I want to be part of that. I'm, I'm going to make Different sure you're the, first, you're the first one on that time machine that, that we talk about it <laughs> in, at TED 2025. Yeah. Kita, this conversation, and dear listener, thank you so much for being patient and listening till the end because this was totally worth it. Um, Kita, I, I, you know, one of the things I do as we're, as we're talking, I'm taking notes and I, one of the things I like to find is like a signature, like where's a pull quote that I can pull out and put in the post. And it's that thing that meant everything to me. It was that thing you said that encapsulated everything. And, and look at my paper. The problem is I've got, you know, 20 of them. Uh, and I, I don't know which one to pick. A structure is king. Ted is a deep exploration into what it means to be human. Uh, your I'm a citizen uh, talk, uh, when we started talking about not being an activist, being a citizen, that was fantastic. Ideas how, about we, how about we go to the passion one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, I, I got them all. So, um, Keita, thank you so much. I'm 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 happy to call you a friend, and I'm happy to be your godfather. And uh, I, I look forward to to reading news about how um, how everything changed as a result of the good work you are doing. Question: When is your TEDx event? 
We are on November 11th, 11-11. I have a um, I have fondness for Veterans Day here in the States. Uh, I just have a very deep um, passion for celebrating the people who uh, give their lives in the service of our country. And uh, that just that means a lot to me. So I, I like to celebrate on that day. So I have a project happening in September. If it goes well, I'll come visit you. Oh, on November 11th. How's uh, that? We've got a guest room. You're more than welcome to stay with us. So, Kita, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's you know it's one of the one of those projects that if it goes, if it happens in September, I'm good. But yeah, so I'll come visit you. I'd love to come to the event. And I would love to have a longer talk about organizational change because in my my day job, um, we've created an artificial intelligence that's used to uh, affect change among a population of 12,000 people. And it, everything, it's not the technology, it's the cultural norms, it's the way that oh, yeah, people yeah. think about one another. And it is, um, I'm getting my master's in, in on-the-job training. I didn't get to, to do go to school. Mm. Mark, any any excuse to talk to you again? Just hit me up. I'm looking forward to it. And I, you see, do you see that piece around? Again, it goes back to humanity. What makes us human? It's always going to be that relationship between each other. Yeah, that's what it's yep. going to be. Dear listener, thank you so much, Kita. Thank you so much. And we will uh, I look forward to thank you for having me on the show. Okay, bye bye. Likewise, cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.